Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. We turn to this scripture passage from the 10th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, verses 34 to 43. If you're following along in a pew Bible, you can find that passage on page 895. Listen to the word of God. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Father, sanctify us by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. That sounded terrific. I love everything about Easter. That was a great way to start the sermon off. But I need to tell you about what goes on in the preacher's mind before Easter sermon. Usually the Easter sermon is supposed to cast a wide net because kind of everybody's here. I need something for everybody. Something with broad appeal. Preach something that's so universal that everybody is with me. Everybody's in, believer and non-believer. Those of you who were so eager this morning you couldn't stand it, and those of you who were drugged here by your mama. Everybody. (laughs) You know, you don't want the Easter sermon to be like one of those Trempia TV commercials that reaches out only to those who might be suffering from moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. You know, that's kind of a... You want it for everybody. Well, I tried. I tried my best to find a theme that would catch everybody. I I did not succeed, which means that some of you can go back to planning lunch. Others of you can go back to trying to list all the master's winners since 2010. But here's the group that I want to stay with me for the full 20 minutes. If you're one of the people 
who thinks you might have failed at something uh, in particular or just life in general. Or if you're one of those who chose poorly and carries regrets you just can't seem to shake. Or if you're one of the ones who's looked across the movie of your life and thinks you just completely missed what you were aiming for. If you fall into any of those categories, then please hang with me for the full run. By the way, missing what you were aiming for is is a biblical reference. You might have known that. The word sin is actually an archery term that means missing the center, missing the mark. Some of you might think that you not only missed the bullseye, but you missed the barn that the thing was sitting on, right? Others of you got close, good life, maybe hit one of those outer rings on the target. But everybody in here and everybody online missed the center of it. God's great hope for our lives we missed somewhere, which I suppose is why the New Testament book of Romans says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because all of us miss the bullseye. I'm just not sure anybody feels guilty about it anymore. Most people treat sin and guilt, it seems to me today, like it's kind of old-fashioned. It's like, like Something that used to be in style, you know, like men's hats, but it just kind of went away. Like, like our grandparents felt guilt, but most of us don't like to bother with it anymore. Most of us have learned to grade on the curve. That's become our best defense. Now, I might not be as generous as I should be, but, you know, I do a whole lot more than Steve ever thought of doing. Nobody's perfect besides it's been a tough couple of years. I know a lot of people who are a whole lot worse than I am. We've just taken the guilt sweater off because it's too uncomfortable to have much fun in. But God's desire for us is not that complicated. it's, It's hard, it's just not that complicated. It's that we might be formed into the most loving version of ourselves. That's where the bullseye is located. So sin or missing the center of God's desire is anything we do that moves us away from that shining hope. Transformed by God so that we might be the most loving version of ourselves. 1 Timothy says it this way, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Let me tell you about a terrible trade we've been making. While while most of us might have given up on guilt, we have found new ways of being reminded that we don't measure up. Instead of measuring our worth against God's transforming hope, we have traded that for the 
terribly defeating game of measuring our worth against each other's accomplishments. Isn't that fun? It's a game you are losing, I happen to know, because I play the game from time to time. Measuring our worth against other people's accomplishments is an absolutely cruel game because there is no way to win. And somehow, in this game, we don't grade on the curve. We just feel like losers all the time. I don't drive a long tuxedo in Habersham thinking that my home is fine. We've got plenty of room. I'm doing okay. Instead, I feel like I'm losing. Why am I not more accomplished than I should be? I paid my bills this month, but still I opened the login to my Bank of America account and it snickers at me. The computerized voice says, Doc, don't you know how much you should have saved by now? Loser. Several of my friends are running the Peachtree Road Race this year. I have trouble buttoning most of my coats. Slob, loser. It's a horrible game. It's a bad trade. Most of us traded the discomfort of examining our lives against the light of God's wonderful hope, turned away from the idea of sin so we wouldn't feel bad, and traded it for judging how we feel about ourselves in relation to the accomplishment of others. It is a horrible trade. And and it gets worse. Because then we betray the best parts of ourselves because we're afraid we don't have enough compared to others. So we stop being generous because we need more stuff to keep up with others. And we stop blessing and lifting others and celebrating others because it's our ego that needs it. And we flirt and sleep late and consume too much and put our thumb on the scales because we've got to get ahead to be reminded that we are okay. And it's like drinking salt water to cure the thirst. Okay, maybe I'm painting with too broad a brush. Maybe, maybe this game I just talked about is working for you. As I said, I'm only talking to those of you in the room and online who think you might have failed, who chose poorly and have deep abiding regrets, and who have looked across the movie of your life and think you just missed what you were aiming for. If that is the case, This is the good news. It was in the scripture that was read just a little while ago. It's at the heart of the Easter message. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. He is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins 
through his name. That is simply astonishing. Everyone, everyone who believes is made free. If you think you failed, didn't keep up, back of the pack, whether it's personally, professionally, morally, however you bundle up your failure, Jesus has erased the board. It is a new day. Welcome to Easter. And if your poor choices feel like stained teeth that you just get to see it every day, you look in the mirror reminded of your betrayal, the choices that you made that harmed you or others. Because of Easter, the weight of it can fall away. And if you look across the arc of your life and feel the defeat of it all, Jesus stands arms open. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. It is truly, truly astonishing. Years ago, a high school buddy of mine and I went to the Gwinnett Arena to hear the singer-songwriter legend Paul Simon. I, I knew most of the Paul Simon catalog before I went, but he introduced a song that night I had never heard before. And there was a line from that song that just stayed in my head the rest of the night and has recurred a hundred times since. I'm working on a rewrite, that's right, going to change the ending. Throw away the title and toss it in the trash. That might be what forgiveness feels like. Now I know that some of you Georgia Tech folks in the room would like for me to show all this on a chart and a spreadsheet. The exact outcomes, footnotes about the variance, data charted outside the norm. I can't. I can't get close to explaining or charting what happens in this amazing forgiveness exchange. I don't, I don't fully understand the power of the empty tomb. I'm just standing next to you as another gobsmacked believer who's swept up in the freedom of it all. But whatever it looks like, I have seen it transform people. I have read stories and met people of folks who entered the mystery of God's grace and it changed everything. It altered their career path. It arrested their addiction. It transformed their marriage. I'm not talking about just the biblical stories like the Apostle Paul who went from persecuting people to preaching grace because God showed up and transformed him. I mean folks like us. I met a woman one time who had reached up from a tragic story of selling herself and now speaks to civic groups about human trafficking, and the power of being forgiven. I know a guy who hit bottom, 
mattress on the floor, bottle nearby. He was nowhere near the bullseye. And he prayed for God's forgiveness and deliverance and was transformed by it. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives a forgiveness of sins through his name. We can't chart it, describe it, reduce it to formula, which is why Easter is so full of image and symbol. Lilies and bright colors and obnoxious ties. Things to just waken things. Symbols of new life like baby chicks emerging from an egg. It was one thing, it's now another thing. Innocent new beginning. Trumpets blasting pure clean sound because somehow forgiveness sounds more like a trumpet than a guitar. The cross outside that Friday was draped in black and today is bursting with bright flowers. It's a way of showing what forgiveness looks like. And some gathered at a sunrise service this morning because the world moving from darkness to daybreak looks like what forgiveness feels like. Catholic scholar Richard Rohr says, everything is recycled. Sin history and salvation history are two sides of one coin. I believe with all my heart that the mystery of forgiveness is the entire gospel. When you get forgiveness, you get it. We use the phrase falling in love. I think forgiveness is almost the same thing, he says. It's a mystery we fall into. The mystery is God. God forgives all things for being imperfect, broken, and poor. The people who know God well, the mystics, the hermits, those who risk everything to find God, always meet a lover not a dictator. If you're one of the ones who stayed with me the whole 20 minutes, one of the ones who knows what it means to have failed, what it means to carry heavy regrets, what it means to look across the narrative of your life and feel like you missed the mark, then you might understand how liberating this Easter story can be if you were to embrace it as your own. Do you really believe that you could leave here unburdened by it all? It is the Easter miracle. The empty tomb allows the board to be erased It allows us to turn from the empty calories of competing with each other into the fullness of trying to become the most loving version of ourselves, starting over. By God's grace and the Easter miracle, you do not have to stay where you are. You can say yes to the resurrection. 
Yes to God's forgiving love. Yes to the astonishing chance for a rewrite that will change the ending. God is calling you to the most loving version of who you were created to be. As 1 Timothy says, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. That's the wonderful invitation of this day. That because of the empty tomb, we can take hold of the life that really is life. And if you want to walk into that mystery some more, have questions about it, during the hymn of response, we're going to have several people already coming down front because they're the people who have joined the church during COVID. Uh, We've not been able to greet them and welcome them since COVID began, and they're going to come forward during the hymn. But if you're one of the people who'd like to know more about this grace that transforms, we welcome you to come down as well. Or if you're one of the ones who's decided this Easter is the time I finally joined Second Ponds. I've been sitting here long enough. You're welcome too. But whether you come here or stay there, My prayer is that you will make some prayer of decision about the grace that God God is extending this hour. Let's stand and sing together. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.